Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Hi, this is Ralph Lawler. Welcome to the Love, the Jam podcast. What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast. I'm Chapon coming to you, as always, with Lucas. How you doing, Lucas? I'm good, man. It's always great when Rob's not here and I get to get introduced first. But uh, <laughs> I think we have someone, someone else for you to introduce today, Shop. We're also here with a very special guest, uh, the namesake of this podcast. You know, for a long time, we were thinking, what do we name the pod? Uh, we came up with a couple of mediocre ideas and then one really clicked and it was the Lob the Jam, the podcast, because we have Mr. Ralph Lawler here, who's been giving that legendary call, had been giving it for many, many years. And uh, we all grew up listening to Ralph. How are you doing, Ralph? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you very much. Glad to be yeah. with you. Yeah, so excited. So we have, we have Ralph here. We're going to ask him a bunch of questions, kind of go over the Clippers and just things in general as they come up. So Ralph, I wanted to kind of ask you how you've been feeling about the Clippers recently. You know, we recently broke through to the Western Conference Finals. It was a huge buzz. Uh, and you've been watching the team. I've been seeing you kind of talk about them on Twitter and social media every once in a while. How did you feel finally seeing them break through uh, to the conference finals? Well, I felt, felt great about it. It was uh, an exciting time and they reached a level that they'd uh, never reached before. It was a very odd basketball season, uh, I thought, uh, for, for a variety of reasons. But uh uh, it's great to see them in the finals and uh, just one step further and uh, they'll be playing for a championship one of these years. Yeah, it's awesome. What do you, did you feel like there was much of a difference between this year's team and last year's team? Like as far as what helped them break through, was it just sort of a happen of circumstance or what did you feel about those teams? I think it was happenstance circumstance. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, if, if they could have had the, the, their, their two guys healthy all season long, you have to think that their chances to win it all would have been, you know, pretty darn good. But uh, a lot of other teams would would feel the same way because it was an injury plagued uh, season. And uh, you hate to use excuses uh, like injuries. But, uh, you know, if you haven't got Kawhi Leonard there at the finish line, it's really yeah. tough to get across it. 
Right, for sure. Yeah, Ralph, so you probably more than anyone have like an understanding of this vast knowledge of the Clippers organization over the years, over the decades. We probably, I mean, definitely right now are just kind of have wrapped up the most successful decade in the history of the franchise. I know that you've had a chance to work with, you know, um, Steve Ballmer and Lawrence Frank and, and the folks who are in charge now. What, you know, what do you think like has changed the most important thing that's changed to make this team be able to be so successful in the last decade? I think the, the big change is, is Steve Ballmer. Uh, I really felt that Doc's first year, which was uh, the last year for Donald Sterling, might have been the best team the Clipper franchise ever had, including, including last year's team. Uh, that was the year when right in the middle of the first round playoff against a very good Golden State team, you know, the, the world came to an end, basically, as far as the Clippers were concerned with Donald Sterling's, uh, you know, yeah. the revelation of, of what he had said and uh, his eventual banishment from the league and so on. All that happened. If that had not happened, I think they would have sustained themselves in the second round against Oklahoma City, which became just a meltdown after the most emotional two weeks probably in the history uh, of the franchise. I think that was a, a great team, but it was the owner that kept them from mm -hmm. succeeding in that. So then bringing Bomber in, that, that erased uh, that stigma. And it's been a, a matter of building year by year uh, ever since. There, there's just nothing that's going to keep Steve Bomber from having this team win a championship. Uh, I don't know whether it's with the current group that they have or whether it's two years or three years or five years from now, but Steve Ballmer will, will, will win a championship or more uh, for this franchise, uh, either at, at Staples Center or perhaps in the new arena where they've just broken ground uh, in Inglewood. Uh, the future's bright. This team, a, a decade of excellence, people still think about the Clippers of the old days of losing and losing and losing. And uh, that, that is not who this franchise is anymore. And I hope they start uh, accepting the, the current identity and reality of this team rather than uh, the 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, I mean, I even remember during like the 06 year with Elton Brand, a lot of the conversation among Clippers fans was, you know, is this like, do we really believe that this is something that can be sustained because of the history that, that Sterling had had with you know, underpaying players and letting people leave. And I think that that's something now that however a certain playoff series goes or, you know, a certain trade that, you know, maybe is good or maybe is bad or something, there's just seems to be a seriousness, a legitimacy to, to the organization now that is not only completely different, but really elite in terms of NBA organizations. That's very valid, Lucas. I, in, in 2006, that was a really good team, the, the Elton Brand uh, ball club. Mm -hmm. That was a really good team but you just knew it was temporary. You just knew something would go wrong. And part of that was, was brought down by Sterling himself, who never believed anything could last. I mean, he just always thought that tomorrow was going to be a, a dark day. Mm -hmm. uh, and that just kind of permeated the entire uh, organization from the coaching staff to the players, to the broadcasters, to the people in the front office, the scouts and everybody just kind of, well, you know, no matter what we do, it's just not going to work long time. And uh, that sadly was, was true. But 
again, that's all gone. That's, mm -hmm. that's the past. And uh, I hope that the fans and the media will catch up to the reality that this is one of the really outstanding franchises uh, in the National Basketball Association. They are solidly built from top to bottom. And uh, I just don't think there's any way that they're going to fail. I think they're, think they're going to be elite for as far as the eye can see. Yeah, so that kind of uh, speaks well into my next next question. How were those transition years between, you know, Sterling and Bomber? How did you feel it in the arena? Uh, I feel like it's going to culminate with this Inglewood move. Um, but how was that feeling and that vibe as far as Sterling going from the dark days coming up? I would imagine Bomber kind of felt the opposite. Well, it used to be depressing because um, we always sat courtside in the Sterling years. Uh, at Staples Center, and we looked directly across the court, and I could see Donald uh, and his court that he had with him at, at all times, and he never looked happy. He always thought uh, if we if we were ahead of the end of three quarters, they would blow it in the fourth quarter, mm. uh, and he just had that depressing presence about him. Counter, counter that with Steve Ballmer and his excitement sitting in, at the end of the court instead of mm -hmm. uh, at, at center court and his pumping his fist and his, his absolute joy with every success that the team had, the determination any failure would be overcome. And uh, it, it just, night and day is not uh, sufficient to say how, how different it was. And as Sterling's pessimism permeated the organization, uh, Bomber's optimism uh, and professionalism uh, permeates the organization and everybody feels different in a very, very good way. Yeah. And, you know, every now and then I'll see, you know, some talk show or someone on Twitter kind of poking fun at Steve Ballmer for getting a little overexcited. But I just think, I mean, I remember, you know, reading in the LA times the day after games about Donald Sterling heckling Clippers players during games and just, you know, you just said a complete opposite, a complete 180. I'll never complain that the Clippers owner is too positive or cheering too hard for the team after, again, I mean, I, again, I just remember reading in the story, this ongoing saga of him heckling players from the sideline. Yeah. I mean, ask Baron Davis about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would run by Sterling and Sterling would be bad mouthing. I mean, I mean, how, how can you possibly uh, perform at peak level if your leader uh, is, is doing that kind of stuff. It was, it was an impossible situation. It's amazing that uh, there were those, those few bright years. You mentioned 06 and certainly the, the early uh, Alvin Gentry years with you know, Darius Miles and Quentin yeah. Richardson and Lamar Odom and Corey Maggette. Th those were bright spots. But even then, you knew those young kids would never uh, mature as Clipper players. You just knew it wasn't going to happen. And of course, it didn't. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was... Maybe it was that, that legendary game against us. To me, it was legendary. That game winner Baron hit against the Celtics where he actually, there was a rumor that he actually looked towards the Sterling area and yelled at the owner after he hits uh, a game winner. Can you imagine? Uh, it feels, it feels just, uh, just like what, a, what an incredible time. I'm so glad that we're kind of going past it. Um, that it's over. <laughs> yeah, my gosh. And I think a lot of Clipper fans kind of tried to forget about it. And then when the tape came out back in uh, 2014, it reminded them like, oh, this, we have this terrible owner who's still this dark spot on the whole community and the whole organization. And now finally, 
We're moving away from that. We've moved away from that, going towards Inglewood. And Ralph, like now that we're going towards that Inglewood Stadium, you know, how important do you think that is also for the Clippers? You know, it feels like they've always been third in line as far as scheduling goes. We see the schedule even this coming year where the Clippers have multiple five and sevens. Uh, I want to say they have five or six or even. I think they have five and the Lakers only have one. And the Lakers have one. Uh, How important do you feel like, you know, not just, you know, literally, but also symbolically it is for them to have their own stadium now? Yeah, I don't care so much about it symbolically, but but in in fact, it's a a huge difference. Right. This doesn't seem like they're third in line for schedules. They are third in line for schedules behind Mm -hmm. the Kings, who are number one, Lakers number two, and the Clippers, who were the latecomers and becoming tenants in that building, uh, are number three. And I think Steve Ballmer realized almost immediately uh, in his learning. the, the, the nuts and bolts of the league from Doc Rivers primarily and Lawrence Frank, that uh, this just doesn't work. You, you just have to be able to control your dates. It's, it's good for your fan base to have attractive dates for them to come to the games. But most of all, you can avoid uh, so many back-to-back games. You can avoid uh, Sunday afternoon games against the NFL, uh, which just kills your local television uh, ratings. Uh, you, you can avoid uh, an eight or nine game road trip in January or February. Uh, it, it'll make a world of difference uh, come 2024. And that schedule will look entirely different. Uh, he will own all 365 dates in that arena. And uh, he'll be able to uh, present a schedule to the, the league that will give the league a chance to give this team a uh, very, very fair representation in the NBA schedule. It's impossible right now. It's mm-hmm. not the league's fault. It's nobody's fault. It is just the way it is when you are the third winter sport tenant in a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I, something that, that has really impressed me in recent years, because I, I try to make it out for a few games every year, the Clippers have really stepped up the in arena fan experience under Steve Ballmer. And I think, that that's something that definitely he's had an active hand in or, or, you know, has been pushing for putting more money into that's something that I, I mean, I can only imagine opening night at the new arena is going to be spectacular when we get there in 2024 and between making Clippers games more fun to go to the team being a little bit better. I think there has been a shift in popularity. It's still LA is still a Lakers town. It, you know, there's decades and decades to go before there's any, uh, real reversal there. But I do think that, that, you know, I have gone back to LA for some summers and coached youth basketball and kids are wearing Clippers jerseys to practice. Kids are bringing Clippers backpacks to practice. And that's not something that, you know, growing up, I was always the only one. And I I guess I wonder Ralph, if that's something that you felt, you know, I know that you aren't in LA anymore, but in, in those years, those Balmer years, if you kind of felt the Clippers, gaining a little bit of traction in LA? Well, I, I, the best way to overcome the Lakers is to win 18 championships. <laughs> so uh, uh, that, that's a long, long ways uh, away. Uh, but, but LA is such a big city. There's room for the Dodgers and room for the Lakers who are the two dominant uh, franchises in, in professional sports in Southern California. But there's all sorts of room uh, for everybody else, in, including the Clippers. And I just think they've made great efforts. And 
Uh, a part of that be began with Doc Rivers, who looked up and saw those Laker banners mm -hmm. in Staples Center and said, they have got to come down. We cannot have a home game with Laker championship banners and uh, all, all these retired numbers hanging there. Uh, I used to say that to Andy Roser, who was the president of the club from the day we moved in there. And he said, oh, we can't do anything about it. I said, Andy, we, we got to do something about it. This is the, we're, we're a visiting team in our home games. I can't do anything about it. Well, Doc would not take no for an answer, which I had to take, and uh, got them covered up. And all of a sudden, you'd walk into the building, and at least it looked like uh, a Clipper home game, which was important. It didn't always feel like it because of the things you're talking about that were enhanced when Bomber took over and when he brought Gillian Zucker in. And uh, Gillian's done a great job finding the people that uh, can make uh, those games entertaining, exciting. People laugh when they brought in the mascot, but the mascot's been a, a popular uh, figure and has helped uh, bring young kids uh, in, into the, the fandom. Uh, it's not just what he does on the court on game nights, but what he does in making appearances and uh, bringing kids uh, into, the, into the fold. Uh, uh, Gillian traveled a lot with the ball club to try to find the, the, the proper uh, in-game experience at the cities where it is very, very well done, while also looking at newer arenas in Sacramento and uh, in Detroit and wherever else they, they popped up during those years, and then bringing the ideas back to Steve Ballmer. Uh, one of the problems at the Staples Center is it is a massive building. I mean, it's... it's uh, this volume is twice what it is at a lot of arenas right. around the league. The roof is so high, the mm -hmm. sound just gets swallowed uh, and, and, and does not get down to the court level. Uh, the, the new building, I guarantee you, uh, is going to have a, a lower ceiling and is going to be a hellhole for visiting teams <laughs> to come into. I mean, it is going to be a, a dramatic home court advantage uh, the, the intention is to make it the, the greatest home court advantage of any team uh, in the NBA. Uh, it, it is not about what's going to maximize dollars or maximize, it's going to be maximize the fan experience and to help the team win basketball games. And that's going to be really exciting. I can't wait. Uh, I hope to be there opening night uh, in October, November, whenever it is of 2024, because that should be quite an experience going to be super exciting we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more from ralph after this old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
sweet tarts dared to combine sweet and tart. But we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new sweet tarts, gummies, fruity splits. A uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart, but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet tarts, dare to combine. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, and we're back. So, Ralph, uh, you were talking about, you know, coming to the arena uh, and, and seeing everything open. I'm just kind of curious, how is life watching the Clippers as a fan and not, and not being there calling games when you're watching on TV or even, you know, in general, just like kind of watching the Clippers, talking about the Clippers now? How have things changed compared to when you were actually calling all the games? Well, it's entirely different. I do not have a vested interest uh, I have a, a fan's interest and I'm a diehard Clipper fan. My wife and I watch pretty much every game. Uh, the league has given us uh, the league pass here and in our home in Florida. And so we can you know, spin the dial and watch everybody. Uh, I do find myself, honestly, uh, critiquing broadcasters about as much as I do. Uh, <laughs> but it's funny, just in, in two years, uh, I guess the, the only Clipper player that uh, goes back to my last year, 1819 is uh, Risa Zubats. I mean, that he's, he's the last wow, one. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Pretty amazing. in just that, two, two seasons. That is amazing. So uh, I don't have, uh, I was glad to see Eric Bledsoe come back because I had some history with Eric, but uh, a lot of these players are, are new faces to me who I don't personally know. Uh, I certainly followed, you know, Kawhi's career and Paul George's uh, career uh, around the league. Uh, and the, the Morris brothers, I've known of them for a long time, but it, it is it is different. And there are players around the league coming in uh, that I just don't know anything uh, about <laughs> them, of their background. Whereas when I was working the games, I knew every one of the whatever 400 or 350 players in the league, I, I knew stories about each one of them. I, I, I was very much involved and that there, there were no uh, uh, unfamiliar faces. Now, now there are, but uh, so uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm more critiquing the broadcasters than I am uh, the, the team uh, when I watch, but uh, we, we sit and we, I, I quietly cheer. My wife isn't so quiet. She's such a, a diehard Clipper fan. Joe just, she's jumping up and down just like she did when uh, she was with me all those years because she went with me in the home games and the road games. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably no 
fan on earth has seen more Clipper games than my wife, Joe. That's awesome. Yeah. Ralph, are there, are there any commentators? I mean, I know we have, of course, we have Brian Seaman, who we love so much and we're so excited uh, to be listening to now. Are there any commentators or play-by-play people around the league that you also like to listen to that get you excited? Yeah, I think uh, on television, I'm really going to miss Marv Albert because uh, Marv has been the soundtrack of the league for, it seems like, forever. And uh, very early in my career, uh, he was already in the NBA. And uh, I just felt like when I heard Marv Albert doing a game, I knew it was a big game. And uh, that that's a special place to be. Uh, I think Mike Green was kind of taking over his his role with ABC and ESPN does a, a remarkably solid uh, uh, job. He, he doesn't have the charisma that uh, that, that Marv had. Uh, uh, I, I think the guy in Portland, Kevin uh, Calabro, is, mm. is positively mm-hmm. excellent. I'm glad he's back with the team uh, this year uh, on, on radio. I, I, I still love Al McCoy and in Phoenix, uh, Chuck Swirsky in Chicago. Uh, there are a number of guys, uh, 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 all the guy I can't think of it, McGinnis, Tom McGinnis in mm. Philadelphia does uh, really good, solid uh, work. But uh, I, I just, I, I, I find it fun to, to listen and watch these guys and uh, admire those that I admire and uh, critique those that uh, deserve some <laughs> and we, we will we won't shame those guys right now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned eric bledsoe ralph I and mean, i was wondering you know he, here's a guy who was definitely a fan favorite when he was on the team i mean i i lunch. loved eric bledsoe in those years he was so much fun to watch and now he's gone he's had a long career elsewhere he's been tremendously successful you know with the milwaukee bucks some bumps in the playoffs, but really good teams, deep playoff runs. Now he comes back to the Clippers and the Clippers, as we've just been talking about, are in a completely different place than they were back then. And he's really changed so much and and grown and learned so much since then. In exchange for getting him, you lose a guy in Patrick Beverly, who has really been the heartbeat of this team for the last several years. What do you think of, you know, what Eric brings at this point and kind of where the team will miss Patrick Beverly. Well, they'll, they'll miss his, his spirit, but I, I just, my concern with, with, with uh, him always was his limited offensive skills. And he, he, he uh, had a lot of fire and uh, I, I think he was less a great defensive player than he was a very pesky uh, mm-hmm. defensive player. He aggravated his opponents into mistakes. Um, but offensively, he was just really very, very limited. He was not a playmaker. Uh, he could not get his own shot. And that said, I, I love the guy and I love to have him on my team, but mm-hmm. you hate him if he's on the opposing team. Mm-hmm. And that that's an asset. So it, it's an asset that we're going to have to find a way to replace. I don't know who on the current roster can fill some of that heart and soul void. But uh, my only concern about Bledsoe is uh, he, he seems to have lost his ability to, to score. He used to be a 20-point-a-game scorer. 
uh, whether it was just different things were required of him where he's been the last couple of years, I, I don't know, but I would love to see him be able to uh, offer the, the 15 to 20 points a game that he mm -hmm. was typically uh, counted on and able to supply in years past. Uh, he's a, uh, a good defensive player still at this point in his career. Uh, I, I think it was a good move uh, for the ball club. I think they're, they're better with him than they were with Patrick. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you have a player on the, on the current team who is kind of, you know, maybe it's not, you know, Kawhi Leonard's obviously the best player on the team, but someone who's, who's your favorite to watch whose game you just really appreciate. Uh. I, I suppose Terrence Mann is the one that kind of pops out. Uh, uh, everybody was uh, delighted with him as he earned his minutes uh, last year, and he had to earn them. He wasn't given them at the start of the season. He was kind of an afterthought. But uh, and it's, it's, I don't want to get too impressed with the 39-point explosion against Utah because that was a, a one-time uh, yeah. thing for him. And I think that I think it's fans, and I, I've even seen it sometimes, guys, with, with coaches. Uh, they fall in love with a player and uh, overvalue a player. And I don't want to – and I would caution fans to not overvalue a uh, man based on that game, uh, based on the fact that he played better in the playoffs than he played in the regular season. Uh, he's still a very, very young player. And, uh, but I, I find him exciting. Whenever he's on the mm -hmm. court, I, I kind of want to be paying attention because he's just one of those guys that always seems to be in the right place at the right time and, and, and get an offensive rebound or a big defensive rebound uh, or, or make, a, make a big play. And it's not an accident. That just happens over and over and over. I am anxious to see. I, I'm not sure he's star material, but he is a, a very valuable rotation player on a good team, I think. Yeah, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back with Ralph. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right. And we're back. So Ralph, you were kind of talking about, you know, the team and we know Kawhi Leonard and Paul George now are pretty much lined up to be here for the next few years. How, how, uh, how sustainable do you feel like this core under them is as far as um, contributing for a contender over these over the next their contract essentially. Well, I think they're going to be contenders every year if those two guys can stay healthy, and that's a a real big question. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I just don't know the answer, and I don't think anybody uh, knows the answer on either one of them because both of them have a uh, kind of a troubling history and uh, injuries, as we've seen in the last couple of years, kind of dictate who wins and who loses uh, when you get to the biggest games of the year uh, in, in the playoffs. You just got to be healthy in the playoffs so you're not going to win the championship. You're just not going to win it. If, uh, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis had injury problems all season long, but they were ready to go in the playoffs. And uh, somehow you got to find a way to do that. And whether it's load management, which I absolutely hate, uh, <laughs> whether that's the way you do it or not, I, I don't know. But uh, somehow they, they got to find a way to have both those guys healthy and uh, have the, the supporting staff uh, get good enough in their individual roles to give them su- the support they need. I think they need a third scorer. I, I, I still wish the Clippers had a, a star point guard. When I say that on Twitter, people say, oh, we got one. Uh, well, uh, Reggie Jackson's a very nice player, had a very nice mm-hmm. year and had an outstanding uh, t- time in the uh, playoffs with, I don't know if you follow hoopshype.com on the internet, but they just ranked the top 22 point guards in the NBA coming into this coming season, and he wasn't in the 22. Right. So, so th- there's you, you can say, well, that's, that's bull. He should be in the top 22. <laughs> but uh, he, he's clearly not in the top five or the top seven or eight. He just plain isn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish they had that kind of a a player at the point guard uh, position. Um, I, I think they made an effort uh, to do that this year. Uh, they wind up with Eric Bledsoe, which isn't a bad consolation prize, but still does not give them uh, a point guard star, which which I, I just think, especially considering the, the, the fragile nature, nature of the, their two stars, uh, that that would carry them. I mean, doesn't need to be Damian Lillard, although that would have worked just fine. But I mean, if you had uh, and and j- just picked the, the top five point guard, I mean, if, if Chris Paul had come back and played for this team the way he played for Phoenix last right, year, right, right, uh, yeah, I mean that would have been a championship team. And, Absolutely. Uh, I, I have on good authority that Chris Paul wanted to come to the Clippers last year. That was his first choice. And uh, it, for whatever reasons, it, it did not happen. Maybe it could not have happened, but uh, he was disappointed. But uh, he wanted to be, primarily wanted to be close to his family, which still makes their home uh, in L.A. But if you had a player like that and pick anybody in, in that, uh, that realm of the top five or seven 
point guards in the league. If he had them on the roster, uh, and, and maybe you got to give up a Terrence Mann. Maybe you got to give up a Morris. Because I don't want to give them up. Well, but they're, they're not going to win the championship for you. Right. Uh, right. Star point guard with the two guys you got, then you are a championship team. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Chris Paul, you know, there had been a lot of conversation on Twitter about Clippers Mount Rushmore. And I think um, there was a graphic that, you know, uh, kind of uh, didn't include some very notable Clipper highlights from Lob City. And I was kind of wondering, Ralph, your Mount Rushmore. So if you had five Clippers, I think you kind of mentioned there's, it. There's on... four faces on Mount Rushmore. Oh, four. I'm sorry. Yeah, there are four faces. But if you want to include a fifth, <laughs> that's you. okay. I, I, just, I just, just saw it for the first time in the spring. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't, I've never seen it. So maybe that, that, that's my fault. <laughs> it's, uh, worth going to see. it's worth going to see. So, Ralph, if you had your Clippers that you would put there, and this ties in well to, you know, possible jerseys that we'd retire, um, where would you rank Clippers that you would want to see, you know, have jerseys retired right away? Well, after they retire, you mean? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, well, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, you know, positively, uh, you, you can make a case for DeAndre uh, as well. Uh, you know, Danny Manning, Elton Brand uh, come immediately to mind. Uh, not on how far back you want to go, but uh, as far back as you want to go. Yeah, Ralph. Uh, I, I hate to I hate to go I hate to go back beyond uh, San Diego because that's when it became the Clippers. Uh, so I mean I don't think of Bob McAdoo as as a Clipper uh, as great as as great as he was. Randy Smith kind of bridged the gap between Buffalo and uh, two tours of duty uh, in San Diego. Uh, I, you're not going to wind up putting up you know ten jerseys all of a sudden you're going to go yeah, right. one by one or two by two or, or what have you uh to me the, the nobody is going to deserve it more than chris paul uh, i i just think he was the greatest player i ever saw in the super uniform the most influential every single game he played from the day he joined the ball club and that 2011 strike short in the season was a sellout uh, they, they weren't before they haven't been consistently since, uh, he, he was the difference maker. I, I just think, plus I, I love him personally. Uh, I just think he's such a, a winning player. I love, I love, go, go ahead, Lucas. I was just going to say that, you know, through those lob city years, especially, you know, in the later lob city years, it felt like we were kind of, you know, everyone was ready every year. Well, Chris is another year older. Blake is coming into his prime. This is going to be the year that Blake, you know, surpasses him. We did have the one season, I think it was, you know, 2015, where Blake was third in MVP voting. He had a fantastic yeah. year that year. It's 2014, but, yeah, I think. So. 2014. But but overall, you know, Chris was still the number one guy on that team every year that they were together. And I think, you know, if you told me, if you went back in time and told me in 2014, that in 2021, I would be sitting here and between Chris Paul, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, I would still say Chris Paul is the best player of the three. Mm. I wouldn't believe you, but I, I don't think it's really even up for debate at this point that he's a far more impactful player than either of those guys. So he has just always been so amazing, but aged so amazingly as well. Yeah. And at that position, you don't typically uh, 
at 35 or 36 still be as, as effective um, as he. Uh, and he, another one that, that typically is, has broken down physically in the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. and that just has to go into your evaluation of a player. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is uh, a top, what is he, a top five player, top three player, top two player, some say top player in the league. But then you got to factor in, he only is playing 65 games a year or whatever the numbers are. Uh, where somebody else is playing 75 or 80 games a year because you, you just got to be available. And uh, I, I, I love Kawhi and, and his, assuming he, he works out his, spends his contract uh, with the ball club, he and Paul George have both certainly uh, get their, their numbers retired and earn a spot there on the Clippers uh, Mount Mount Rushmore. I I, I wish that uh, Kawhi had uh, Blake's charisma. Uh, he is such a uh, a quiet leader uh, that I think it's a little bit hard for some of the fans to, to love him because you know what is there to love? I don't know who he is. I don't know. He, he just doesn't. But. Uh, and, and the end result, I'll take talent over charisma any day. Mm-hmm. He's got, he has that. He's, he's as good as they come. And he, he could wind up going down as the greatest Clipper player of all time. I hope he does. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you mentioned, Chris. I, I love when you used to mention in telecast, um, whenever Chris would talk about losing streaks going into arenas. I remember the Jazz losing streak. And he would tell you, he would ask you, Rob, the Spurs. He's like, Rob, how long since we've won in this arena? And then you would tell him, he's like, we're going to break that today. And we did, like in, in pretty much almost every instance. I remember the Jazz game specifically because there was, a, I think there was a missed free throw and it was caught at the very end at the end of that game. And the whole team rallied and got so excited. And every game during the first bit of the Chris Paul era was such an excitement, uh, so exciting to watch. And uh, he made you feel like anything was possible. And um... let, let me tell you exactly how, how that all came about. We were at, at shoot around in Salt Lake City uh, for a game against the Jazz. And uh, shoot around is wrapping up. And some of the guys still out in the court shooting were Chris Paul, Chauncey Billups are seated uh, on, uh, on the, the bench area. And uh, I, in my game prep, I realized that the Clippers had lost. I don't know what the number was now, it was 17 games in a row mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City or some, mm-hmm. you know, preposterous number like that. And I thought, yeah, these two guys, I'm a, I went and sat down and I said, do you two guys know you haven't won a game in this building since, you know, 1842 or whatever the hell <laughs> the, the, the date was? And they both lit up and said, really? <laughs> and, and almost simultaneously, they said, you tell us every time we have that kind of a situation, he says, because we're going to end all those streaks right away. And they did. I mean, it was yeah, city yeah. where they hadn't yeah. won in forever. And, uh, and Chris would say, what's the streak here? I said, it's 10 games. He said, it's over. It's done. <laughs> and they'd go up and they, they do it. And they did it that night in Salt Lake city. Uh, and, and that is just extraordinary. If I had told that to some of their predecessors at that critical point guard position they would have oh hell we haven't got a chance we're, we're screwed you know but not not with uh chris and chauncey who were 
uh, a really special pairing. And I wish there were again injuries, you know, kept Chauncey from having a lengthy finishing career uh, with the Clippers and being a great backcourt pairing with, with Chris, but uh, they, they were special kind of leaders. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure that kind of leader exists on this current Clipper team. Uh, if, I had, if I had a worry or a, a question, I'm not saying there's not, uh, but I, I, I'm not close enough to, to know and, and observing uh, the, the team pretty closely. Uh, I just don't see that type of leadership. Yeah, we're going to take one more break and then come back with a few more thoughts from Ralph. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we're back. You know, it's funny enough, Chris Paul's last win as a Clipper was actually in Utah when I just kind of came back to my head, which was also an improbable win because that was a that was a win when Blake was out and that was an elimination game. So it's kind of fitting. I know, I know the next game didn't end up so good, but uh, that was a great that was a great memory. I didn't expect that win either. So that was kind of cool to see. So and, and you, yeah, go ahead. just just thinking now, you know, the Clippers win a game five in Utah in the second round with Terrence Mann having 39 points and it, you know, all of these so much of even, you know, Doc Rivers, obviously, you know, leaving the team and uh, you know, the, the bubble kind of failures that happened and all of that, but every little bit of joy and success that Clippers have have now, it's kind of such a unique place because of how, miserable the franchise was for so long and how successful it's been in the last decade you can trace it all back to like chris paul blake griffin doc rivers 
you know, and then of course, DeAndre Jordan, Donald, or John, um, Steve Ballmer taking over for Donald Sterling, Chauncey Billups being involved, all of these people who've had such a hand to play in the culture shifting so rapidly and so intensely. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been fun to watch. It really has been. I'm uh, spending a lot of time um, writing a book that's pretty close to being completed. I got to have Ooh, the publisher nice. by, by November 1st, and it should be out uh, next spring during the playoffs. Uh, maybe you'll have me back then and we can talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, uh, so I, I've, I've gotten really immersed with some of the slipper history uh, during the, the, this very interesting um, process of um, putting thoughts uh, on paper. It's not all about the Clippers. It's about my life and uh, the NBA and so on. But obviously, I only spent 40 years with the Clippers, so there's <laughs> a pretty good hunk of Clipper stuff in it. Yeah. Did any Clipper teams kind of stand out to you the most, Ralph, during your time with the Clippers? You've had so many memorable you know, moments that I get to think of off the top of my head. You know, a lot of people like to reference at 1819, the brand years, uh, Lob City. Um, did any team kind of stand out when you think back and now you're kind of reflecting a bit as far, as far as, wow, that was a special team? The Lob City era positively, you know, stands out. And if I, when I start to reflect on <clears throat> my years of the team, uh, that's probably the first thing that pops uh, into my mind because it was just... Uh, it was a revolution from where the team had been for all those years. I think the, the, the early years that we talked about briefly with uh, Lamar Odom and Quentin Richardson. And, yeah, that's what hooked uh, me. Darius Miles. I mean, that, that, the, the, their first year together was, was magical and fun and exciting. They never got to the playoffs. They, they did tease us a bit with that possibility. Mm-hmm. And the other would be way back to 1978. And 79, the Clippers' first year uh, in San Diego, which was an improbably good team that uh, was kind of a, a hybrid uh, combination of the Buffalo Braves and the Boston Celtics uh, that nobody expected anything from. They won them in 43 games. And the next year, they, they brought in Bill Walton as the biggest free agent signing in the mm. history of the league uh, at that point. And so that era was, was extremely exciting as well. So I guess th- those three are the ones that, uh, that stand out uh, to me as, as I recollect back at uh, some very happy memories and some that weren't so happy in there too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did some, well, I did, I did a, a research thing with Steve Perrin last summer where we did some Clippers history stuff and all of the guys who, there's like a run there in the late Buffalo, early San Diego years where it seems like there was maybe a dozen hall of famers who either won a championship the year before they came to the team or the year after they left the team <laughs> and the Clippers are just, or the Braves slash Clippers are just stuck in between. I mean, they had Moses Malone for two games and then mm-hmm. they traded him again. Just a kind of, you know, so much of what happened in the, the fallout from that, you know, into, into the eighties and nineties and two thousands was, not so much a curse as, you know, or maybe Donald Sterling himself was the curse. But in those early years, it really seemed like they just had extraordinarily bad luck over and over again. Well, the year that, the year they had the first pick and took Michael Oluwakandi, uh, which looks like a terrible pick now, but it was a, a logical pick at the time, it was between him and Mike Bibby. 
And uh, I was right. there for, workout, for workouts for both of them. And it, it I'm to all the way candy worked out like you would have thought he was a second coming Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, he was, had a spectacular workout. But if they had had that number one overall pick the year before, it would have been Tim Duncan. Right. So that, yeah. that's about, you know, just luck and happenstance. Sometimes it uh, works for you. Sometimes it doesn't. And then a part of that is where people come up with a crazy idea of a, a separate curse. Uh, that was just bad luck. That wasn't a curse. Uh, bad timing. I mean, just yeah, uh, unfortunate. Yeah. You mentioned but, you mentioned the the big redhead, and for my money, the best commentating duo in NBA history for me. I'm a Clipper fan, obviously. What was were you and Bill together? I love I love your camaraderie. I love Bill's just outlandish <laughs> metaphors and everything he Bill would say. Outlandish. <laughs> He's the best. I I loved his style so much and I love hearing him talk about basketball. I love hearing him get, go on just his long, I don't want to call them rants, but his long dialogues are fantastic. Tangents. I, I, yeah, his, his tangents are great. And he's very eloquent too, incredibly eloquent. Um, I love you. I love you and Bill together. I, I miss I miss hearing you guys call games together. Well, we had sure. we had a lot of fun. That's why it was so special to me to bring him back on my last regular mm-hmm. season telecast yeah. with the Clippers in April of 2019. <clears throat> uh, he, he's uh, one of my life's dearest friends uh, and I, I can tell you uh, throughout all the years I mean even in my last couple of years of the ball club people would come up to me in Cleveland or in Detroit or in New York or in Sacramento and say oh my god I had more fun watching you and Walton together <laughs> and Bill swears he had the same experience as he traveled around the country doing both college and you know professional games in his very successful broadcast career, he said, he was, oh God, that, I loved you with, with Lawler on the Clipper games. Yeah. Um, it was special. And I can tell you in the 1990s with uh, some pretty bad teams, uh, we, we had the, the best television ratings the Clippers have ever had, uh, in, including uh, any one of the Lob City years you want to pick or, or last year for that matter. Uh, and, it was it was great fun. It was uh, talk about highlights of my of my career. That that was it. Working with Bill. Yeah, he. I remember he called Zoo uh, Chewy Baca, and I yeah. wish you would have stuck on because <laughs> we still have Zoo. It would be great. And I, I couldn't believe some of the things he was saying, but it brought it was so much nostalgia. That last game was so much fun too. Um, that last uh, regular season telecast, and that was uh, that was a great moment hearing you guys together again. Yeah, they're uh, they're making a, a documentary film uh, of Bill's life, uh, centering uh, zeroing in on his nineteen seventy seven championship with the Portland Trailblazers, and uh, the the producer director crew was here at the house just about two weeks ago, uh, interviewing his segment uh, with with me because I was the seventy sixers broadcaster mm. uh, that year and was. Uh, there at the games and uh, getting my heart broken uh, by by Bill and uh, mm. Jack Ramsey and that crew, uh, so that was fun. But I, I they they hope to have that out. Uh, I guess ESPN wants it out during the playoffs next year. But these guys are saying it's going to be a year after mm. it'll be 2023 before they have it done. But uh, it'll be something 
all of us are going to want to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a, a video that came out recently. Um, JJ Reddick does his podcast. He had Blake Griffin on and they were talking about Lob City and kind of the end of Lob City. And, you know, this, the idea that, I mean, they talked pretty frankly about it, that referees did not like them by the time they reached kind of the end of that run. And it's interesting thinking about, you know, how you're talking about kind of Chris and Chauncey in the early Lob City years, because Chauncey was there in those first couple of years. And there was almost a, a defiance to that Lob City, the, you know, those first couple of years, like Chris, Chris was coming in and saying, we're going to win, even though it's the Clippers. I don't care. Like, right. I'm going to spite history. And somewhere as, as they, you know, kind of fell short in the playoffs year in, year out, it felt like things just turned a little sour. And you end up with, you know, the Blake Griffin um, incident with the fight with the, uh, the equipment manager. And, you know, there's Chris, you know, grumbling about Chris Paul. Is he happy? Is he not happy? Do, you know, does DeAndre Jordan like Chris Paul? All, all of this stuff going on in the locker room. What was it like, you know, kind of having, having your boots on the ground over the course of that entire span to see, you know, was it as much of a downer when you were there as it was for, for us at home to kind of feel like this core that, that we loved that had been so successful was kind of eating itself alive? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's uh, an accurate description or not, Lucas. It may, it may well be. It, it wasn't apparent mm-hmm. uh, to those of us who were in the traveling party, for example. Uh, DeAndre and Blake had a, had a close bond uh, that was maybe less close at the end than it was at the beginning. Uh, uh, Chris was just a, a different creature from uh, either of those two. And none of that is, is the negative. Uh, yeah. that's, just, that's just a, a reality. With regard to the, I, I, I think the referees did not like uh, that team because that was a group that complained on every single <laughs> call, no matter how obvious uh, the call may have been, and uh, referees just don't like that. Uh, they don't like Luka Doncic with Dallas for the same reason. Uh, I mean, you, you can talk to one referee after another, and they'll say their least favorite player in the league is Luka Doncic. Well, <laughs> I think you could have said that it was, it was anybody on that Clipper ball club would have held uh, that, that uh, kind of a uh, in the in mind of the referees, they just didn't like those guys because uh, you, you, Don, DeAndre could, could clobber some guy going to the basket and then his reaction after getting a foul call would have been, it was the worst call in the history of the world. <laughs> um, yeah, but Blake and JJ even specifically mentioned after they left the Clippers how refs were happy that they weren't with the team anymore. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. It just, it just uh, the, that team got got that reputation and once you got it you just can't get rid of it i mean it is it is it is there and uh it's it's too bad Uh, i was surprised to hear that about uh about luca but uh, i i know for a fact from talking to people that they just do not like that guy after the last couple of years of having to go against him in the playoffs i kind of agree yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah not a lot of fun <laughs> fantastic fantastic basketball player but i wish he would do it against someone else 
Yeah. I wish you were a clipper. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That would be useful. Rob, it's funny just looking at you and one, we mentioned our, our Mount Rushmore. You definitely should have, uh, have uh, your, uh, your mic oh. hanging in the banner. And I kind of wanted to ask you, one of my buddies was actually mentioning this to me um, as far as holding the mic and, and how, uh, what made you decide to hold it your whole career? What did you ever think about switching to headsets, seeing anybody around you doing it? I, I love your iconic picture, just you with the mic in your hand. What made you stick with that your whole career? I don't understand why everybody doesn't work that <laughs> way. Uh, you know, uh, you go to a, a concert and see a singer. Uh, the singer is working with a microphone in his or her hand. And if they hit like a big note, they back off the microphone. Uh, if they're in a very intimate uh, passage in a song, they're very, very close to the microphone. Uh, I just never wanted to give up that ability to, to mm -hmm. do that and use the microphone that way by having one of those little tinny uh, mouthpieces uh, in, in front of me. I just, uh, to me, the question of why doesn't everybody do it that way? I started off doing it that way and never saw a reason to change. Uh, I, I just think it is the appropriate way uh, to do it. It was kind of interesting. Uh, Mark Boyle does the games on radio for the Indiana Pacer, has for years, and he's positively terrific. And uh, in, in a... In a in a sense to honor me uh, during my last season, he did a game with a hand mic and uh, you know, told me he was going to do it. And he did it and he said he enjoyed it. And he said, it, it, it really worked. Uh, <laughs> I think it didn't work so well, but he's uh, done it since. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool that uh, he wanted to do that. Uh, it, it became a, a bit of a trademark. It was never an, an intention, but, I guess after 40 years of seeing me do it, people started to say, that's different. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I, th I think that'll essentially do it uh, for this episode of the Lob the Gender podcast. Thank you, Ralph, so much for Thank coming on. Thank you so on. much, Ralph. Yeah, it's such, a, such an honor. Yeah, we uh, to have the person who we've named the podcast after doing the pod <laughs> with us, it's, it's, <laughs> it's super cool to me. And we'll definitely have you back when the when the book gets closer to being uh, being released and talk more yeah. about it. That'd be super great. Of course, thank you for everybody for listening. Um, of course, leave us nice reviews on iTunes. Five stars really helps. And as always, go Clippers! winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.